Hey guys, Akil Stokes here. Welcome back to another episode of the Trading Coach Podcast. In today's episode, I'm going to share with you an interview I did with a new trader friend of mine named Alex. Alex has a podcast called Be The Trader. That's the letter B, The Trader. You can check it out on Apple. You can check it out, I'm sure, on every other podcasting site as well. And it was a really cool interview. One of my goals of doing interviews and why I typically always say yes isn't just because I love talking about myself. I actually hate talking about myself. Um, But if you have someone that is good at asking questions, it usually requires a thoughtful answer. And typically when you have to give a thoughtful answer, sometimes you discover something new about yourself. And and, and that's something that happened in this podcast. So it's an awesome episode. Lots of knowledge bombs as always. Check it out. And again, you can check out Alex's podcast as B the letter B, The Trader, um, on Apple Music and all other podcasting sites. All right, let's get into it. Welcome back to the show, everyone. I have a very, very special show for you, but I want to give you a disclaimer. In this episode, there is some dropout because of internet connection with my guests. So it's going to sound a little weird at some points, and I actually highlight that and tell you that I cut that part out and inserted the new, obviously, clear audio. So just bear with me there. Otherwise, enjoy the show. And don't forget, check out bethestory.net. B, just a letter B, thestory.net. And let's get started. Welcome back to Be The Trader Podcast. Today, I have a very special guest, Akil Stokes. He's a trading coach, co-founder of Tier 1 Trading. Feature, he's also featured in Forbes as one of the leaders in trading education. And not only that, but if you're interested in track, he's also a track coach. Akil Welcome to the show, my friend. Hey, thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure. Absolutely. I'm so, I'm so stoked to have you here. And I, you know, I want to give everyone, I know I kind of gave them a background who you are, but if you can give us like maybe a quick couple of minutes intro- introduction on what got you into your journey to begin with. Uh, sure. And, and I'll, I'll try to give you uh, the quickest version uh, possible. And I, I see what you did there. You're stoked to have me on, Akil Stokes. I'm very, <laughs> very clever of you. Um, whether done purposely or not. Um, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> but um, I, I got into trading really because it was just the next line of investing. Um, I, I was fortunate enough to have a father that um, did his best to teach me about, to, 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 to really keep me financially educated. So um, as a very young child, you know, he taught me about the value of saving money, of earning money. And as I got older, older the, the piggy bank turned into a savings account. Savings account turned into a, um, a, a certificate of deposit to a money market account. I even had some some bonds that he had purchased for me and, and used to explain kind of, hey, I bought this for this much. They're worth this much now, but if you hold them until blah 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 expiration date or the maturity date, they'll be worth this much. So he, he always did a good job of just explaining how um, money worked. And when I graduated college. Um, there were some of those, I had some graduation money. It was kind of like the last, uh, I remember he said, this was the last time you'll probably ever get money, right? You're, you're 21 years old. You know, people don't give money for birthdays or anything anymore. So he's like, milk the family. So I remember I, I sent out letters and graduation cards, sent out pictures to all my family members. And uh, I got some good money for graduation. And he also gifted me some of the, the savings bonds that I had and gave me the option to either, you know, let them mature or cash them out. And I talked to him because I, I graduated. I, I had no idea what I was doing. I actually went into grad school mainly because um, this was right around the, the beginning of the recession. I, I couldn't get a job, and I was embarrassed to kind of tell family members. You know, they always ask, 
what are you doing? And I'm like, uh, I don't know. Um, and he just pointed me into uh, the stock market. He said, well, this is the next form of investment, you know, um, learn about the stock market. And um, I started learning about it. I met a, a local businessman who became my um, my business mentor um, and just fell in love with it. And, and that's kind of what got me into the market. So it started off as just kind of the next step in, in kind of my financial journey. And it ended up being something that I really loved, really enjoyed. It was like a, a puzzle that I couldn't quite figure out, yet every day I tried my hardest to, to figure it out. Isn't it crazy how that moment where you were embarrassed and <laughs> didn't want to share with people and say that I'm not, you know, I'm not going, I don't know where I'm going to be, I don't know where I'm going to, you know, get a job at, because I felt that, you know, when I graduated, I I didn't. I wasn't fortunate like everyone else. I use we say everyone else, but the other people who did get like that, you know, yes. Verizon, Southwest, you know, those <laughs> big companies right off the bat. And now look where you are now, and where it took you. It's, it's it's just crazy the path that's laid. Never, never would have imagined in a million years I'd end up here. Here, here here's the funny thing, right? So I've got I've got some mom issues, right? We won't dig into those, but because of those mommy issues, um, I've purposely avoided. Uh, psychology. Um, she was a psych professor and a, a small business consultant, and, and I guess some of the she had some some issues. Um, and I also changed my majors in college because I was basically almost failing my business courses. I was I had like a D in both micro and macroeconomics, so I I avoided micro and macroeconomics in numbers because I wasn't I didn't think I was good at math or I was underprepared at math, and I avoided psychology because I didn't want to be like my mom. And then lo and, lo and behold, I'm in the financial markets where one of the main, uh, you know, holy grails to success is trading psychology. Um, so it's, <laughs> right. I'm right back. <laughs> I'm, I'm, it's like I was meant to be here for some some strange reason. Oh, Weird. my God. That's so that's so funny. And it's it's crazy that I mean, you mentioned psychology and and how really you're back into the world of psychology and how you kind of encompass how psychology is trading. Yes. Talk about that because I agree with you 100%. Like that, that is what trading is. Yeah, the the more experience, and I love trading because you learn, you learn so much more about I, about yourself. I've learned more about myself through trading, and maybe it's just going through this period of of going from someone in their 20s to their 30s and whatnot, and just growth in general. But I've learned so much about myself, um, pros and cons through trading and and through psychology and and how. I handle myself in the markets, but trading is, and, and I tell new traders this all the time, or just people that, um, you know, I approach a lot of people, they know what I do and they're like, well, I can never do that. And, and I tell them that trading isn't even about the numbers at all. It's, you know, I know people, these gurus make it seem it's about these numbers and, and all these stats and whatnot, um, because that's how they make themselves seem smarter than you. But the market is all about, um, it's really crowd psychology. That's that's all it really is. It's understanding how us as people operate, right? If, if for the technical traders out there, if you look at a price chart, a price chart is nothing more than a visual representation of all of the participants in the market and all of the actions that they are taking, right? So you can you can see greed, you can see fear, you can see panic, right? You can see all of that stuff, uh, euphoria. You can all you can see all of that stuff on price charts and when it comes to trading it's it's really more about understanding and and being able to make predictions based off that understanding how are people going to react if this type of event comes out 
or how are people going to react if price comes down to this level? And it's really no different than, you know, I, I use a grocery store example all the time because um, I think that's one of the best ways you can look at basic economics, right? By the way, if your listeners haven't read it already, great book, Basic Economics by Thomas Sowell. No number, no math. It's okay. all about relationships. And it's the same thing where it's like, you know, we just had a, you know, let's say I'm, I'm, I'm here in Pennsylvania um, where it snows during the winter, right? So let's say we get on the news where it's like massive snowstorm coming this weekend, mm. blah, 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 a million feet, right? What are people going to do? I'm going to the grocery store. Exactly. <laughs> and what are people going to buy from the grocery store? We always buy the same type of products. Was it milk, bread, and eggs? That's what everyone yep. buys. And right? all that camp food. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you can think about it from a, a, a psychological perspective, right? If I'm a grocery store owner and I know that, you know, snowstorm was announced, people are going to rush to before the snowstorm, right? What can I do supply and demand-wise? I, I can probably raise prices on all of those items, and they're still going to sell people are still going to buy it. So it's just understanding, like, like we just said, um, if there's a big call for this crazy snowstorm, then people are going to panic and go to the grocery store. If people are going to panic and go to the grocery store, then they're going to look for these type of items, right? We, we've just predicted what people are going to do because historically that's what they have done. We're doing the same thing in the markets, just obviously without you know, the specifics of grocery store and snow, we're doing it with price levels and, and, and whatever uh, asset we're trading. Absolutely. And whatever news catalyst, maybe that's the snow, right? That's yeah. like the catalyst that sets it off. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. It's it's crazy. You said uh, the crowd, you're, you're trading the psychology of the crowd. And, and really, I don't know about you, I'm sure you experienced this too, but you know, for my beginning, when I started trading, I I am the crowd. You know, I was part of the crowd for for quite a while, almost for like, I almost want to say a year where I was just trading off of emotions all the time. And so I think that experience really helped me understand the crowd though, like after mm -hmm. the fact. So it's something I appreciate. What about you? Yeah, I, I would say my, I used to, um, I was a guy that used to watch, um, I, I would have CNBC and Bloomberg and all that stuff on and, and, I, and my reactions, whether purposeful or not, were all based off what they would say. I, I remember kind of like you as a younger trader where, you know, I'd have CNBC on and they're like, you gotta, you gotta buy gold, buy gold, buy gold. And I go to the charts like, yeah, time to buy some gold. Like I didn't care what I saw. I just had to buy gold because I was in this, every, it, it, there was so much urgency on the news telling me to buy gold. I just felt like I had to do it. And I was just a sheep following everyone else. And then I'd buy gold and, and gold would sell off and I'd be like, Oh, what happened? And you know, it, I, I was the sheep, yeah. I was the crowd, so that that I definitely understand how that how that happens. Yeah, I love. I'm gonna steal that um, metaphor you gave or analogy. <laughs> the whole grocery store. I love that, man. That's that's so great. I love that, especially when you explain to friends and and family like what you do and how simple it can be narrowed down to. It's pretty much it. I mean, that's a good way of saying it. And what's interesting is we haven't even mentioned what type of trader you are, but the fact that we can still talk about the same thing, even though we trade two totally different markets, mm -hmm. is just shows you how it really comes down to that trader psychology. And and I love, you actually talked about recently on one of your shows, which is called, I, I think I mentioned this at the beginning, but it's Trading Coach Podcast, which I love, by the way, I listen religiously, but you mentioned something about, I don't know if it was most recent or like last week, because you, you air one, like I feel like every day. 
but it, it was one yeah, <laughs> too, yeah. Too many, too yeah. Many times. yeah so it was one where you were talking about you really narrowed down about being a trader like in the traders like how to be a trader mindset rather than just rather than just evolving as a trader rather than becoming like a strategy mm. like only a strategy because at first you know myself i'm going through that phase where beginning then i went to be only strategy and now i'm starting to see and now when i hear your episode that clicked with me i'm like he's so right like it's be- evolving as a trader once you learn how to be a trader then then you it, you know you just learn the the real true you go back to the basics just like i don't know about you i'm a martial arts as a black belt i love martial arts and so you you end up going back to the basics like that's how you become a professional like you go back to just do your roundhouse kick your sidekick and you just master that. Like Bruce Lee says, you do, you know, I'm scared of the man who does 10,000 kicks, you know, to <laughs> practice with 10,000 kicks of one kick rather than those 10,000 separate kicks. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what you hit on the head on your show. And man, that was, I, I think that's so true. And cause you trade Forex, right? Correct. Yeah. And so tell me what, you know, what got you into Forex? And that, you know, that's a long introduction to that, but I wanted to get to <laughs> <laughs> your wife Forex. Well, yeah. I, well, I, I I respect my my kids. Uh, my oldest is in Taekwondo, so I'm I'm there almost every Thursday oh, watching them. And they uh, same thing. They're just teaching these basic basic movements, basic kicks. Um, at the end of the day, that's all that matters. Even as a not to get too distracted, but even as a track coach, um, I, I look back now. Like I would have been such, I, I would have been a much greater runner. Um, if I would have known now what I did, or if, I, if what I knew then what I know now I would have been a much greater runner, because it's all about the basics. It doesn't matter what event you use or what event you do. It's all kind of these basic movements and motions. And if you can master that, you could do anything. Um, so I agree 100%. I got into Forex, um, a little embarrassed to admit this, because I thought it was a get-rich-quick scheme. Yeah. That's, uh, you know, I'm, I'll be honest with you. I it, you know, the internet told me I can make a lot of money really, really quickly. Um, that's why I got into Forex. I, I was, I had a pretty decent career in stocks. Um, the issue for me at stocks is that um, it was slower moving. I was more of an investor. So here are one of those moments where the mic dropped out due to the internet connection, but let's pick it back up. Here we go. I was in the stock market. I did pretty well in the stock market, but the stock market moved a lot slower. I, I was more of a, a short-term, short-term investor uh, versus a trader. And I only had so much money, so I can only have so much exposure. So, um, you know, once my money was tied up in certain stocks, I couldn't really do anything. I made decent returns, but it, it also meant kind of holding things for months and months and months. Um, and based on the capital that I had, the returns were good percentage-wise. But, you know, back then I expected some type of life-changing return. Um, and as I got more into the markets, I, I, wanted, I wanted to become um, a full-time gig. And just what I was making or at the rate I was making in the stock market, it wasn't going to happen. So I tried penny stocks for a little bit. Um, I failed horribly at penny stocks. That was a, a big failure, um, mainly because I, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, and I got into Forex because the whole thing was, hey, Forex is highly leveraged. It's a much more aggressive market. You can basically make more money in a shorter period of time while using less money. And that was just everything I wanted to hear. Um, and And that's really... Once I got into Forex, that's when I really started focusing on the technical side of trading more than, say, kind of the fundamental side. And so, and so Forex, I don't, I'm, I'm ignorant to Forex. Like, I, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I trade stocks and small caps and big caps. And so now I kind of try to stay in my lane. You know, I'm still trying to master this section. 
Yeah. And so I'm curious, you know, is Forex something that's like 24-7? Is that that? Is that the... Yeah, it is. It is? It, it, so it are is, you trading, uh... like, how, are you trading at night? Like, is that, does that appeal to you, too? Like, because you can kind of have that flexibility? Or is there only certain prime times that you really like to be focused? You know what I'm saying? So it, it's... 24/7 is a is a it's a gift and a curse um depending on you as a trader. I don't spend nearly as much time in front of the charts as people would think. I think people assume that you know because it's 24/7 you've got to be in front of your charts 24/7, but as you mentioned there are more active times, right? There, there's two major sessions. It's going to be the London session and the US session. Um so the London session uh my time which is New York time is basically starts at 2 o'clock, 2 a.m. Um, cause that's, that's their kind of wake up at 7 a.m. London. Um, and then the New York session starts here about eight o'clock. Um, and after it ends at 5 p.m. So once those two sessions are done, the markets tend to slow down. Um, but because it's an international market, there's always, there's always just 24 seven news coming out. Um, there is there, the markets, it never stops. And that can be uh, an issue for many traders because they believe that they have to spend all their time in front of the charts. Um, what I do is I have a strict routine. Um, I have a strict routine of when I actively trade. I have a strict routine of when I do my analysis on the chart. And my type of trading, I don't, I don't need to look at the chart 24-7. I can do my analysis. I can set up my entries or put things on my watch list um, and then get away from the charts as much as possible. So is this something to, I mean, because this is appealing to me just because, like, you know, if you're working full time, mm -hmm. is it, is it something you could trade when you get off of work? Is it is it kind of or is there only like what I meant by prime time? Like mm -hmm. you know now as a as a day trader or a stock trader, it's mainly you know my prime time is like at the open for the first hour and I'm pretty much done for the day. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if there's like prime time areas or like if you could get off of work and say you're working at nine to five, you get off at six seven o'clock, you want to pull up the markets. Are those too illiquid? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I in my I know people that are successful trading anytime. Um, the liquidity definitely dips after the New York close. So if, if I had to pick a prime time, now you can, one of the cool things about Forex being 24-7 is, again, you can actively trade it and work it around your schedule. So, you know, I've got people that are truckers that work at night and, and trade in the morning or vice versa. So that's one of the benefits of it, especially if you're going to be a, an active day trader. Um, I think the best time to trade is, is anywhere between that that London Open and really the midpoint of New York. So I think like the lunch break in New York is about 12 p.m. That's also about the closing time in London. Um, there are going to be moves that happen after that. But if there's a, a sweet spot that you really want to trade, it will be anywhere between the London open and then the London close, basically. Um, I particularly, I, I personally trade with my day trading. I do kind of the 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 London lunch to kind of the, um, I, I do from about, 7.30 a.m. to about 10.30 a.m. So it's that kind of overlapping period between the opening of the New York session and the uh, the end of the London session. Nice. And you're referring to 7.30 a.m. your time, right? Yeah, 7.30 a.m. Um, New York time. Yeah, it used to, gotcha. used to be 8.30. Um, I, I bumped it up a little bit earlier just to kind of um, – I've got a lot of uh, clients that are that are overseas. So it works for some people better that way, like people that are in Australia. They're not up, you know, 12 o'clock in the, mor in the oh morning. Oh, my God, yeah. Checking it's it out. So um, – I bumped it up. I used to start at 8.30. Now it's 7.30 just kind of for the, the business standpoint. Nice. Well, you know, I want to I wanna ask you a question that I'm not sure if someone's asked you before when they interviewed mm -hmm. you, but if they did, just bear with me. I, I want to know, and these kind of sound similar. There's going to be three questions in a row that I, I wanted to ask you, but they're definitely not similar, and I'll explain them once I, once I ask. And 
I'll feel embarrassed if they are exactly the same. <laughs> but biggest challenge as a trader, like when you, what was, what is your current biggest challenge as a trader? Because no matter who you are, no matter where you're at in your journey, whether you're a professional, whether you're teaching, whether you're coaching, just like you said, you're always learning, and you preach that a lot through your through your podcast. So I want to know what's your at your current stat, status. What's your biggest challenge? My current biggest challenge um, as a trader is focus. Um, one of the downsides, and, and I, I tell all the aspiring traders I'm working with, we always, we always talk about using trading to, you know, you don't have to trade full time um, and, and think all of your, your money has to come off of trading. You can grow a business out of it. And there are different aspects of the business. You can become a coach. You can become a um, work for a prop firm. But as soon as you grow your trading into a business and you do other things, whether it's managing money as well, um, you start to split your attention. I think trading is very, very, I know trading is very, very, very difficult. It's something that requires a 100% focus uh, just for survival. And one of my biggest challenges is that because I'm also focused on helping so many clients out there, um, I tend to spend less focus on myself. So I make more trading mistakes. Um, I'm, I miss more trades because I'm helping someone else instead of looking at an opportunity on my own. Um, and I don't, I don't evolve at the same rate. Um, so I'm actually in the time right now where I've given myself six weeks to kind of work on my own trading, review my stats, um, focus on some, some new concepts that I want to kind of implement. Um, but for the rest of the year, aside from these six weeks, I don't get to do that. So I've slowed down in my evolution as a trader, mainly because the focus that I would normally put into that is now put into helping others become consistently profitable. So it's not a it's not a negative per se because I, I understand it and I accept it. Um, but for my personal trading, it, it does it does damage the progression of it. No, I get it, and I mean, it sounds like you. I mean, you're a coach, a track coach. You you're a teacher. I mean, coaching, mentoring for trading. So it just seems like that spark in helping people when they get that moment is probably mm -hmm. more valuable than when you catch that trade. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. It's I, I'm I feel good about what I'm doing. Um, so I don't, I don't mind that sacrifice at all. And it's funny. A lot of people don't understand that. <laughs> a lot of people think it's all, it's all about the money. It's all about providing value. Um, that's no, I get that. Right. I, I, uh, I used to just not to go on off on a tangent, but you know, I was a VP of a firm in Dallas and, and I mm -hmm. trained salespeople and I, I get it. Like I love that spark. Mm -hmm. And so I'm curious though, cause since you, you know, you brought up, you know, when you're training or teaching people and, and you might miss opportunities on your own. Now, just about when you're coaching others, since you talk to many traders, I mean, through Instagram, Twitter, heck, I mean, even the people who sign up, I mean, you, I mean, you talk to me and we didn't even, I'm not even part of your program. <laughs> you know? so it's like you talk to many people. So I appreciate that. And, and so I'm curious on what do you feel like has been either the biggest misconception when it comes to someone who who may be not, they're not a beginner, right? They, they've been trading for maybe six months, maybe a year. So that's still beginner, but like they know the basics, at least like the lingo and all of that. But I'm curious on what do you feel like is besides them saying, Hey, you know, tell me what to buy. You know, that's a question that everyone freaking thinks that this is important, which is not, but I want to know it, what's a common question when you're like, okay, this guy, he understands trading, but there's something missing. What's that common thing that's missing? And here's another spot where we had complications, but let's get it started. Okay, so the, the biggest misconception I would say, and I guess I would, I would choose two, is 
One, I think people, and you mentioned this earlier, people don't take enough time to focus on the basics. Um, everyone is worried about the strategy, the strategy, the strategy, where they never master kind of what's behind the strategies, the, the basics of of price movement and how markets move and, and stuff like that. So they're they're missing kind of some key components that are needed in order to get their strategy or any strategy running the way they want it to. Um, that's one. I would say another one is just what is available through trading. I think a big misconception out there is kind of the, the get rich quick part of it. And, and, you know, I got a message the other day from, from someone saying, Hey, um, I'm averaging 10% a month. Um, I just wanted to know if that's, if that's good or, or blah, blah. Um, and I said, yeah, that's that's fantastic, man. If you can average ten percent a month, um, you know, month over month, you know, you're making a you know one hundred and twenty percent return a year. Um, you're <laughs> you're going to be one of the that's best. That's really good. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. And and I think people just don't understand what is what consists of a good return and 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 what doesn't. And um, because of that, they perhaps put too much pressure on themselves. Maybe they dump trading systems that are actually really, really good, but because it, it doesn't produce them a million dollars overnight, they don't think it's good. So I think kind of once people understand that reality, um, I've seen massive changes in just how they handle themselves because they're, they no longer have these unrealistic expectations of what can really be um, had from trading. It's social media, man. That's what, I mean, yeah, it is. what it is. That's what it is. I mean, it's rare <laughs> to find... You know how many people are blocked on social media who just post P and L? You know, like it's just it's just crazy, man. So, you know, I, that leads me up to what I'm I'm curious on for yourself and personally. Mm-hmm. Wherever wherever this question, you know, wherever idea comes to, your, to mind or whatever thought memory comes to mind is what I'm curious about. Is what was the scariest scariest moment in when you were trading that you experienced? I lost about thirty thousand dollars within a, basically a week. Oh my god! <laughs> that my heart, was, my uh, heart. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was really. It was really. It was really like a month to give myself a little bit more credit, but the bulk of it was within a week. And this is when I was I was managing money. Um, I started a money management business after um, finally becoming successful in trading, and I was doing everything the right way. And I was making a small, consistent return. I think I was making like uh, two to three percent a month, which was my goal. Um, very, very low risk attached to that, and and you know, that I, I was right on track. And the problem was, I, w- I was new and I was spineless, and uh, you know, back then I was so eager to get my get the business off the ground because I needed it to to be a full time trader. Um, that I kind of you know I kind of gave in to like whatever the client would say. Um, so I'd send these reports and, you know, you know, to the, the client and whatnot saying, Hey, another good month, blah, 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 blah. And then, you know, at first he was like, Oh, cool. That's okay. And then he started asking questions. Well, why, why aren't we making more money? And he had a misconception again of what was realistic about trading and investing. Cause I'm like, well, you know, 2% a month, 3% a month with, you know, on, on the capital that we're trading and, and low risk, you know, this is going to be, this is perfect, right? Where we need to be. And he's like, yeah, but you're on this hot streak right now, right? We should be trading more. And I'm like, eh, no, <laughs> probably not. And um, again, spineless back then, I didn't want to lose the client. And I eventually gave in to his request to um, trade more. So we basically like doubled and tripled the position size. Um, and of course, we did so right into a drawdown. And 
Um, there were some errors on my, my behalf as well. Um, again, I, I should just I should have said no and stuck to it. Um, I was also trading a portfolio that had a lot of correlations. There were a lot of um, in this case a lot of yen pairs I had exposure to. Um, there was a natural disaster or something that happened. I think it was a tsunami or something. And there was directional movement on all of the all of the yen pairs. And um, because I had so much exposure in my portfolio, um, I was in trades on all of them. They all got smashed around the same time, and I lost a lot of money. Um, but what's worse after that, and this is the part where it really became dark, was that I became so frustrated that I stopped trading for about a week. And you know, I shut down the computer. I wouldn't look at the markets. I was just kind of contemplating life and, and <laughs> yeah. what should I do. And I finally kind of you know talked myself out of this this dark place I was in. Um, I went back to the charts and I, and I saw that uh, here it goes right. If I would have just traded that week, if I would have right. just stuck to the plan and did what I was supposed to do, because you know you know fear in the market is is you know they people react and then they kind of analyze and like oh we're reacting for no reason. If I would have just followed what I was supposed to do, I would have made sixty thousand dollars back that next week. I would have doubled whatever I lost just by following the signals that came in um and that was a changing point that, that, that was a turning point for me uh, and that's when I, I realized i did not want to manage money anymore um and i had to i had to really talk to myself uh, a lot and kind of figure out if trading was really for me or not how old were you when that happened um this had to be mid-20s i i was probably around um maybe 23 24 25 oh my god there. Yes, I, yeah, I, again, I, I was kid, completely man. spineless, man. I had, you know, I, yeah, if, if I, if, if I were to ever manage money again now, you know, I'd be the boss, you know, I'd be like, look, this is what we're doing. If you don't like it, go somewhere else, right? right. So I, I have that kind of experience. I have that authority now, but back then it was kind of like, okay, uh, I don't think it's a good idea, but, yeah. <laughs> um, so it's a, it's a fun story story now um to tell you obviously but at the time man it was i was so embarrassed it was just devastating um because that was my life i mean i i, I was a, yeah. a full-time trader and you know i didn't have enough capital on my own to to live full-time off my trading and i finally got the business up and running and i was making pretty good profits i'm like this is you know clients that have a lot of money you do good by them they introduce you to more of their friends that have more money and you grow your you know your clientele that way and i'm like this is going to be it this is you know my road to millions and it was just all kind of it was washed away um all at once and it was, it was tough that week off and then you came back do you i know i saw you can see it more clearly do you feel like do you tell do you tell people now like when they're in a rut like maybe take a week off to kind of do you feel it did you it was a breather too like it was something that was needed you know that's interesting that you that you say that um because whenever I, and it's probably the first time I'm thinking about it like this. Uh, so again, here's here's me. This is the value of doing these podcasts. You learn a little bit about yourself as well. Um, I I always look at it as a negative, right? I always look at it from a results perspective, saying, well, you know, if I would have just kept trading, I would have taken the signals, and I would have, um, you know, made all the money back. But in reality, I don't know if that would have happened. I mean, the state that I was in, so devastated. Perhaps I would have revenge traded and lost even more. Um, you don't know what would, you know. You don't know what would right. happen. I think, you know. I, I guess I can't really give you a. I would need to think about it more to give you a clear answer. But I do think I tell traders this: if you're ever in a spot where you're emotionally unstable, you're probably going to do something bad. You're probably going to um, deviate from your plan. You're probably going to make some type of emotional decision in the market. 
And typically that always ends uh, poorly. So if you ever find yourself in a state like that, I think taking some time off may have actually been the right thing to do. Um, because again, you know, it's like going to the casino and, and, you know, <laughs> making emotional decisions after you just lost some money. It's probably just oh, going to yeah. end bad. So yeah, I, I always look at it as a, a negative part of the story, but maybe may, I, I perhaps I did the right thing, even if it, even if it missed, you know, the result wasn't great of me missing the money, but perhaps it was the right thing. Cause perhaps I would have lost even more just doing dumb stuff. Yeah, it's crazy. And, and, and uh, I mean, it's telling someone to take a break first off is like, it's so hard to take a break, <laughs> but, uh, but it's so important. And I love that you shared a story. Cause that's what I saw. I saw like you took that break. So you were able to be more clear headed and you can see things better. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm curious and you know, everyone has a tough lesson and what I mean by tough lesson, like, yeah, you know, I, I mentioned biggest challenge, scariest memory, but I want to talk about like, there's a lesson that, that everyone goes through. I feel like or we all must go through it or maybe I'm the only one, but like a lesson that you have to learn repeatedly. Mm-hmm. What, what's that for you when you um, were coming up? It, it, it goes back to, um, I, I always say this now, I was more focused on learning what to trade instead of learning how to trade. Um, so it, it goes back to just, and it's hard of, of making the, the emphasis on learning to read the markets and, and learning to understand the markets. Because if you can read the markets and, and understand the markets, um, you can trade any type of way. You can trade any type of strategy. You can trade any market um, because the movement is all the same. It, it, it Obviously, there's little – it differs from market to market slightly uh, and just in personality and then from pair to pair if you're in the Forex market. Um, but the general concepts are there, right? Markets go up, down, and sideways. Um, they extend, they pull back. Um, they, you know, they they hold that support and resistance. Because people right? are still buying them, right? It's still emotions. Yeah, it's still the same thing. And um, again, the lesson I learned was I, I I focused so much when I first started trading. I spent probably about a year, even after getting trained, um, I probably spent about a year just focusing on strategies and and then jumping from strategy to strategy. And, and I remember there was a a point in time where I was trading this um, trend continuation strategy and I got asked by someone on the internet, hey, what trend is the euro in? And I couldn't give them an answer. And it, it hit me then like, well, how am I supposed to be a trend trader if I don't even know if the market is trending or not? Um, and I think a lot of people will will do that. They, they, will, they will trade something, but again, they don't actually know. They're trading just a strategy, but they don't know why the strategy works. Or they're using an indicator, for example. They don't even know what the indicator gives them like you know, I, I use the relative strength index for example um, and you get a lot of people there like oh that's a reversal indicator like, well it's not it's a strength indicator like it, it tells you strength in the market when it when the when the indicator goes overbought or oversold when it goes overbought for example it actually mean this means that there's a lot of strength in the market now that you may use that to say hey what goes up must come down blah 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 and here's the last spot where this happens and we are clear for takeoff yeah, so a lot of people are using indicators, and again, they just they don't they just don't even know what they're using them for. So the RSI is an indicator that I use for its relative strength, and I'll talk to people all the time that are saying, "Hey, did you sell it?" I'm like, "Why?" Because the RSI went overbought. And I'm like, "Well, you know that actually means that the market is very very strong," and you just see people that don't they they just don't know the reason behind what they're doing. Um, they're just looking for kind of the the shortcut, and that's just a it's a massive a massive 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 problem. Are you, is it safe to say, I don't want to put words in your mouth, so I'm going to ask you this and you let me know if I'm interpreting what you're saying. Is it more of like, once you learn how to trade in terms of 
psychology, reading candles, understanding volume, like the, that's the real core of a market. Once you understand how to trade, then they're really strategies are just, it's, 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 it's more like you start to see it differently. You can pretty much trade anything as long as you learn that and really learn. And I mean, there's one thing to say, oh, I know what volume is, but there's another thing to know what different types of volume mean and with what kind of candle does that go with that volume and what does the price action overall trend showing that kind of a thought process rather than, Oh, the volume's strong. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, yeah, it's, it's, it's the core, the core principles. Um, and I think once you can do that, you can do anything like, you know, going back to, you know, you mentioned I coach track and field. I coach many different events. I coach sprinters. I coach hurdlers. I coach jumpers, right? So they're all doing kind of three different things. We spend the first probably six weeks, um, six weeks to three months of our season just teaching people how to run correctly and use their body correctly. And a lot of the, they're like, well, I'm a jumper. How come, you know, I don't, why am I learning this? And then later on, they realize that well, it's all the same movement. And once you understand the movement, how the body moves, how to put power into the ground, stuff like that, you take those core concepts and then, then you, you, you specify it in whatever your event is. So you take your, you take your ability to run fast and sprint and move your body the right way, and then you adapt that to the specifics of the long jump or specifics of the hurdle. So same thing with trading. You understand volume, understand support and resistance, how a price, how a price chart moves, and then you take it to a specific strategy, whether you want to be trend continuation, counter trend. But it doesn't work unless you have those core principles and core concepts understood and mastered. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, it's funny. I ran track too, and man, if only I can go back back to high school now. <laughs> now after knowing what you know now, it's you're just yep. like God. I knew I should listen to my coach. I gotta keep my arms close to the body. <laughs> yep, yep. I gotta the block, the block. I gotta practice the block. Starting off the block, kicking off the block strong. I used to yep. not care about that stuff. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was the same way. Just run fast. Yeah. Oh, I just run. <laughs> <Try to man. laughs> Well, that's awesome, man. Well, look, that's all we have for today. And, and Akil, look, I really, I really appreciate this time. It was su such a great time for me. I really enjoyed it. And I want to say thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you from our listeners, too, to have you on the show. Well, I appreciate it, man. And, and, and again, big apologies. We've had some technical issues on my end today. That's, you know, life seems to do that uh, only at the important moments, I feel. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I, I appreciate you getting through it and, and the editing that you have to do to to make this uh, sound good, but I, I had a blast. It was a pleasure talking to you um, before, before the interview and during the interview and, and it accomplished one of my goals. And you mentioned earlier that, you know, I, I you asked a question that made me think about something for the first time. Um, I've never actually given it thought about the taking a week off and whether that was a positive or not. So um, I've gotten something out of this podcast as well. So I, I, I always enjoy that. That's, that's big for me.